0: Good evening. Welcome to our Holy Saturday, Facebook live service. We are recording for, um, due to the fact that we are not in our building again. Um, we just put up a new sign today on the building saying that the building will be closed until further notice. So if you could keep that in mind, I don't know why we're getting blinking. Is anybody else's screen blinking? Um, We will be having our Tuesday, Thursday evening meals, so even though the building is closed, our Thursday evening meals will still be um, continuing. But we'll give people a few moments to log on and let me know if you can hear my voice. And if anybody else's screen is flashing, let me know, and we'll try it over again. But our Holy um, Saturday service is an interesting service. It was a service that we haven't normally... Uh, hosted. And we had plans for great plans. Well, I thought were great plans for our Holy Saturday service. If we were in our building, part of it was going to be a labyrinth, a prayer labyrinth, followed by an open table communion for people to come and to spend some time in personal reflection um, of the death of Christ and um, looking at towards the resurrection. So we're going to begin this evening this what is holy saturday holy saturday is the time where we remember when jesus is in the tomb the disciples are mourning the women are preparing the spices along with nicodemus and the ointments for the body and they're trying to get it all ready before the sabbath begins so we have here the continuation of the narrative from good friday that as Christ breathes his last and Christ says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And, they also, and he also says, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he dies. This is what happens following. It's not usually a big part of the Holy Week discussion. But it's what we like to add into our tradition as a church as we continue from this point forward. So I'm going to start by reading from John chapter 19. This is the english standard version it's john chapter 19 verses 38 through 42. i'll be reading from the english standard version this evening and it says this after these things joseph of arimathea who was a disciple of jesus but secretly for fear of the jews asked pilate that he might take away the body of jesus and pilate gave him permission so he came and he took away his body nicodemus also who earlier had come to Christ by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths and spices, as it is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, which no one had been laid in. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid. Jesus' body there. So here we have a couple of new characters. We've heard of Nicodemus before, but we're, we're adding this new one of um, Joseph of Arimathea. He has not been mentioned in the scriptures before this point. But we find that he is a disciple of Christ. We tend to forget that Jesus didn't just have the 12. He had multiple disciples um, exceeding the 12. It talks about him sending out the, um, the masses as well. So we find that Jesus has other disciples, and these are two that come into the narrative at this point. We have to remember that some have betrayed Jesus and denied Jesus and left, um, and have been running for fear of their lives because they felt like they too would be crucified. So here we find that Joseph of Arimathea, who secretly was a disciple of Jesus, he feared the Jews, so he was secretly a disciple. He comes to Pilate. So we know that Joseph of Arimathea must be a man of great wealth or status in the community because he had access to Pilate. And he asked Pilate if he could take the body, and Pilate gives him permission. Now Nicodemus was the Pharisee who visited Jesus at night to ask him questions. And that's where we get that phrase, Um to be born again, or or maybe a more literal translation, is to be born from above. And um, we find that Nicodemus came to Jesus in the secret of nights as well to find out. And we find that we don't hear much more about Nicodemus until this point. So Nicodemus is one who also was a Pharisee, but a disciple of Jesus Christ. We also know that Nicodemus in John chapter 7 defends Jesus to his contemporaries. His contemporaries are looking for a way to get rid of Jesus. And Nicodemus says that he needs to have a, um, a trial if anything happens, that he needs to be heard. And um, they're unable to get their hands on Jesus at that time. So they take him and they lay him in the most available tomb there. Um, we always have these pictures of the big rock and the boulder and all that. And we'll walk, talk about why we have those um, pictures in our minds. But I want to read again at the end of the first part that we read. So this is again from John chapter 19, it's verse 42, it says this. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. They found the newest, closest tomb and they laid Jesus in that tomb. The narrative actually continues and we look at Matthew chapter 27, Matthew chapter 27 verses 62 through 66. The the apostle, I mean, sorry, the disciple Matthew wrote this, he said this. The next day, that is after the day of preparation, so this is a continuation of the narrative we just read, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember what that imposter said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise again. Therefore, command the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may go and steal him away and tell the people he has been raised from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went to the guard and made the tomb secure by st- sealing the stone. Now Matthew is um referring to an old Kind of myth or rumor that was going around during the time when the scriptures were written, when this book was written, that um, the disciples had run had run off with Jesus's body. So Matthew is specifically writing this into the narrative to counteract the rumors that were going around when the Gospel of Matthew was being written. But we find that the the Pharisees and the chief priests had had fear. They they had heard the teachings of Jesus, and they wanted to make sure that Jesus was not remembered, or his teachings did not continue, because if he had been risen from the dead, his notoriety would have spread like wildfire. So they asked Pilate, and Pilate gives them also permission to go to the tomb, to seal the tomb, and to put a um, soldier there guarding the tomb. So we find all this is going on. But one of the things I want us to really kind of focus on right now is the disciples who had left. I want us to think of Mary, Jesus's mother. Mary Magdalene. We think of all the people that had followed and heard the teachings of Jesus. So today, I want to place us in the in the situation that his disciples were in. We find that John, um, that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they tend to the corpse of their dear friend and teacher. That in the hustle and bustle of everything that's going on, they take the corpse. They are the ones that tend to it. They are the ones, Nicodemus is the one that gets 75 pounds of spices and aloe together to prepare the body. They do this in a rush. But they're preparing to bury their friend, their teacher, their rabbi, and their hope. This was a man in Christ. This was a person that they had placed their trust in. They were following the ways of Christ. They were following the teacher, the teachings of Jesus. Some of them may have even made the assumption and come to the realization that Jesus was divine. And now he is not there. He is dead. He has taken his last breath and has left for them to pick up the pieces. They're dealing with the destruction of all their hopes and dreams and expectations. We find that um, a couple chapters before that they're discussing who's going to be greatest out of all of them. Who will sit at the right and who will sit at the left, left hand of Christ when the kingdom comes. And now the kingdom must seem like a distant memory because the one who was going to reign is now dead the feeling of despair the feeling of the wasted 3 years that they have had following this rabbi now because in their in their human minds in our minds as well we must have this understanding that they that their follower their i mean their rabbi their teacher their lord is dead they have seen him raise others from the dead. They've heard rumors of him raising Lazarus from the dead. But now how is he supposed to raise himself from the dead? And so there's great despair. There's great confusion. They are now, The teachings of Christ must have been running through their minds and them thinking, why did we follow this? Why did we follow him if in the end it ends tonight? The Apostle Paul writes a couple of interesting insights that I want us to reflect on as we um, wrap up our our short reflection on Holy uh, Saturday. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 6, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so we no longer are slaves to sin. That's what happens when Jesus takes his last breath. He conquers sin. He conquers sin because the wages of sin are death. And he does not deserve to die. He has the innocent blood. And the picture that is, uh, is painted for us throughout the Old Testament scriptures and specifically the law is that, the sin, that sin is covered, that the debt of sin is paid to sin when innocent blood of a lamb is shed. So when John the Baptist is getting ready to baptize Jesus and he looks at him and goes, "Behold the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world." That must have been echoing in their mind at this moment. That in Christ, in the death of Christ, the un, the I mean sorry, the perfect blood that was shed cancels the debt That humanity has to sin and then we look at Easter and we're we're going to be talking tomorrow about the joyous side of this but one of the things that we have to allow to echo in our minds is we have to sit in death for a while that we as followers of Jesus as Paul writes we have to know that our old self is crucified with him that on the cross when Jesus dies we can choose to crucify ourselves in that way as well. That we, as He absorbs the sin of the world and He absorbs it and then He transfuses it into the forgiveness that He expresses to all, that Jesus on the cross absorbs our sin and He turns it into forgiveness before the resurrection on the third day. The Apostle Paul also writes this to the church that is in Galatia, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I was debating to read this one because it kind of gives away the ending, but we all know that we know the ending. But Paul associates his changed life with the crucifixion of Jesus. Because at the cross, at the death of God himself, we find two kingdoms colliding. We find the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man colliding and at this, and what seems like the kingdom of man winning. Because the way of the kingdom of man is about death, destruction, and all of those things. But Jesus recycles all of that into the forgiveness of humanity. So what I want us to do as a community, as a church, as people who are going to be listening to this later, is this. What are we leaving dead in our lives that does not belong in resurrection tomorrow morning? When we think of the things in our lives that do not belong in the kingdom, The things that are already crucified with Christ on the cross. Those things that are already dead that we keep picking up and carrying along with us. What are things that we will leave here today on this Saturday that we will not resurrect tomorrow morning? Because in the resurrection we find that Jesus resurrects from the dead. And that he stays here on earth and he interacts with humanity for uh, for for many days. What is kept down? God in Christ conquers sin and death. And as he absorbs all of the sin of humanity on the cross, when he rises from the dead, sin stays dead. And it is our choice daily if we bring it back up and bring it back to life if we bring our if we bring our greed and our idolatry if we bring our um, our anger that is misplaced if we bring all this the different sins in our lives and we bring them up what we are doing is we are reviving the things that Jesus absorbed and has already forgiven us for We don't need to keep bringing those back up, but we do because we find sin comfortable. We do find sin enticing. But we must remember that Christ does not bring them back to life when he was resurrected on Easter Sunday. So in closing this evening, I want us to reflect on this. What in our lives needs to stay dead? tonight, and what in our lives deserves resurrection tomorrow morning? Because as we celebrate Easter in the morning, as we say He is risen, He is risen indeed, are we only raising Him or are we pulling everything else up that we want to bring back? If we remember the disciples, our, our, the disciples have all these ideas of what Jesus was supposed to do, Um, You have zealots, you have all the different um, sects that were part of um, Jesus' circle of disciples. And they had to understand that all those expectations that they were placing on Jesus were not met at the cross. They were crucified at the cross. And as Jesus raises from the dead, he shows them the true way to follow him. The the, the scriptures say that Jesus says that we are to take up our cross and that we are to follow him. And as we decide if we are to take up our crosses or not, we also must decide what we are going to crucify on that cross in Christ. The apostle Paul said it best when he said, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. He's not saying only parts of me have been crucified with Christ. The apostle Paul says, all of me has been crucified with Christ. And if I live, it is Christ that is living in me that people are going to see. And we need to have be of that same mindset as Paul, that we also are crucified with Christ. And that we also today must understand that we are dead to sin. And that tomorrow, tomorrow morning as we wake up, as we get ready to celebrate Easter in a very untraditional, unorthodox way, that we are now alive in Christ. And we, have our, we are these things 375 days of the year. We are dead to sin and alive to Christ. If we choose to sin, it is our choice to resurrect something that does not need and should never be resurrected. So today, this evening, reflect. What are we going to leave dead that needs to stay dead as we prepare to embrace Easter in the morning? Let us pray this evening. Father, as we come before you, Lord, may we walk in the despair that the disciples walked in, Father, may we also remember that what uh, that our sins have been nailed to the cross in Christ and that Christ through the power of God recycles sin and brings out forgiveness, not only for select few, but for all. And Father, may we understand that that forgiveness is open and a free gift to all people so that we may have life and that we may have it in abundance. But Lord, that may we may leave those things that are, Uh, that are not part of the kingdom of God that are in our lives, may we leave them dead as we prepare to celebrate Easter resurrection in the morning. We pray this in the holy name of Christ. Amen. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning for our Easter celebration at 1030. Just a, a reminder that if you have some bread and some juice, we will be participating in communion together tomorrow morning at the end of our service. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord continue to cause his face to shine upon you. And today may God give you peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen.